Hello, and welcome to New Hope Christian Fellowship with Pastor John Gilbert. Isaiah 53. The prophet who wrote these words, as I've said it before, not long ago, he said them about 800 years, 750 years before the birth of Jesus. And again, hear this chapter, 53. It's a bit like that song. It's telling us the gospel story in the Old Testament. Yeah? Like David was talking about the people from Exodus... And uh, we got the gospel story in that message of the children of Israel being delivered from Egypt. That's the gospel message. The shed blood of the, the lamb, the firstborn, Jesus Christ, from the dead, and the, the blood scattered on the lintel, and the children of Israel, they were saved. They went through the Red Sea, they were saved. God's got a way of saving his people. God's got a way of doing, bringing us to heaven and bringing us to salvation. God knows how to do that. So here is interesting passage. Let me just, the title of the message this morning, Who Will Believe? Yes? Will it be you? Who will believe, Margie? That's the question maybe we keep asking ourselves. Bob, who will believe? We will. we will. But when you stand in the town offering people a tract, a message of why Jesus died on the cross, they're going to walk, they're going to snub you. Do us a favour. The people hurl abuse at you and say things. Why do we have to listen to things about Jesus Christ? Um, you know, but who will believe? Well, it says here, even the prophet Isaiah says, Who has believed our report? Even the prophet is asking the question. Isaiah 53, And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? I'll read the first three verses. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised. He is rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Oh, it's very sad. He is a man of sorrows. But Isaiah the prophet, he is to prophesy about the coming Christ. That's what he's doing here. He's prophesying about Christ. And his prophecy begins with two questions. Who has believed our report? Who has believed? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Is it to you? 
or to me? Who is it revealed to? These two questions, they call us to faith. You've got to have faith to trust in what has happened in the past. 2,000 years ago, or thereabouts. What year is it? 2023. So in the year AD 33, something happened. Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross, wasn't he? Do we all agree on that? Surely we do. Because if we don't agree with that, then we all think that the historians are liars. Are they? No. Our whole calendar. BC. What's that stand for? Before Christ. AD. What's that stand for? Anno Domini. What's that? Latin? It's not Cockney. It's definitely Latin. In the year of our Lord. That's what we're, we're living 2023 in the year of our Lord. When you say it like that, we're living in the year of the Lord's favour. That's what we're living under right now. Anno Domini. But people refuse to believe it. People refuse to accept it. You've who will believe? Well, that's what I want to know. God's word is declared to us all. This is his word. I got in a taxi on Friday from where I parked my car in St. Albans to the railway station and a Muslim picked me up. We had a chat. He spoke like an American. I said, have you got an accent? He said, I'm from Canada, Vancouver Island. Because he was like a Pakistani. So I said, have you got a religious faith? He said, yeah, I'm a Muslim. I said, well, I've got a question for you. He was waiting. I said, did God get it wrong the first time? And he looked at me. God has written his book. Hasn't he? Haven't he, Don? Yeah. Isaiah, the prophet, God spoke through the prophet. He wrote down what God was telling him. And this book is complete, people, isn't it, Dominic? Yes. The apostles completed the writings of the New Testament in AD 96. Can God get things wrong? Can he not? No, he can't. Can God get the Bible wrong? I don't think so. Not, not that I don't think so. I know so. He does not get things wrong. Right? Why then? In somewhere up north. And that schoolboy was trying to show it off to his mates. Guess what? Somebody damaged the, the holy Quran. Well, I don't want to call it holy. Because it's not holy. It's a Quran. But it's their book. Someone damaged it. Do you know what happened? 
They called the police. They shut the school down. They were trying to tell the kids off, don't you play around with the Quran. Isn't that incredible? But yet it's a fu- I'm going to tell you. I'm telling you. If you get offended, oh, I don't care. I'm sorry. It's not the true book. This is. And this is the book that points to Jesus Christ. Who will believe our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? In spite of circumstances, this is the word of the Lord. And it's true. It is true. And this morning, I want to consider three points that would suggest why people, even the Muslims, reject Jesus as the saviour. They look to Muhammad. They reject Jesus. And when you stand on the street with your little leaflet and your tract and you get rejected, you kind of feel a bit sad. You kind of feel a bit isolated. You feel a bit lonely. And you think, you know, is it something about me? Do they? Do I not look nice? Do I smell a B.O.? Hey, something wrong with me that they want to reject me? No, no. They rejecting Jesus. And I, I started to talk to a few. I said, would you like to have a word from the Lord Jesus? Yeah? Oh, no, mate. Dominic said to me, the minute you mention the name Jesus Christ, they don't want to know. Didn't you? He told me. See? Straight from the professional's mouth. Yes, Dominic knows, and it's true. Would you like a word from the Lord Jesus? Nah, mate. It's sad. Look at this. Look at these words from Isaiah. We go back to the word. Look. Verse 2. Go to verse 2. What does it say? But he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. You see that? Do you know what a tender plant looks like? Well, if you've been observing nature, you will notice over the last couple of weeks, the daffodils are starting to grow. Have you noticed that? I've been in travelling to Amersham and I've seen some daffodils flower. That was a week ago, a week and a half ago. They're the only ones I've seen flowered. But at the moment, they're little tender plants. And, and if you went up to one and trod on it, what will happen, Bob? They'll crush it easy because it's a tender plant. And the Lord Jesus, what the prophet is saying, the Lord Jesus, when he was born, when he was but a little boy, he was a tender plant. He wasn't all like rough and ready. He was a little tender person. For he shall grow up before him like a tender plant. No, no aggression. No violence. This chapter 53 from the prophet is a prophecy about Jesus Christ coming into the world and what will happen to him. You know that prophecy is, is predicted, isn't it? Yes? The prophet sees into the future and he, he predicts what's going to happen. You, you understand that, don't you? 
You know, I heard someone say the other day, um, oh, I forget his name, he used to play, Graham Souness. Anyone know who Graham Souness is? He used to play for Liverpool back in the 70s. Graham Souness. And he's predicted that Arsenal will not win the league. Yes? Well, I'm not having that. I'm hoping they do win the league. Yes, Jeffro? And they will prove him wrong. You see, he's predicting something like a prophet. Well, we hope that Arsenal win, don't we, Jeffro? <coughs> and it will prove that his prediction is wrong. And like you said, Daddy Bob, it will prove he's a false prophet. And it's not religious, it's just football. But we want Arsenal to win the league, me and Jeffro. And so, the thing what I, why I said that, the prophet predicted that Jesus will come. And he predicted that he will be like a tender plant. And it came to pass. Jesus did come. So his prophecy is true. And we can put our trust in it. Not like the Muslim who's following Muhammad and they want to put their trust in an error. I'm sorry to say that, but it's true. It's a lovely description. Mums, dads, granddads, grannies. If you had a grandchild or a, a son or a daughter and you said, oh, he's a lovely little boy. He's a real tender little lad. That's what Jesus was like. He was a tender plant. It's a beautiful description. We celebrate Christmas once a year, don't we? We like the nativity play. We like to see little Johnny, little Mary. We like to see Joseph, the little Johnny playing little Joseph in the nativity. And we see the baby, the dolly. All the kids, all the children want to be in the, 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 the nativity play, don't they? Well, I've never been in one, but I mean... <laughs> Maybe my time's still to come. <laughs> we can do it together, people. But it's a wonderful story. The angel Gabriel was sent to Mary and told her she was going to have a baby. What a wonderful story. And, and Joseph's all upset because his, his um, fiancé-to-be is, is with child. You know, it's, it's just the drama and it's fantastic. But we love it. The entrance of Jesus coming into this world. And then you've got King Herod, you know, outwitted by the wise men, yes? And and when he's realised that they've gone and double-crossed him and gone a different way back home, and he, he his hatred and anger, and he says, kill all the babies, kill all the children under two years of age. It's such a, it's like a thriller and a drama all rolled up into one. And this is the, the gospel story about Jesus Christ as a baby. How wonderful. And then let me just share a little bit here. Let's go to Luke's gospel. Chapter 2. Chapter 2, Dominic. Luke's gospel. What do we read? We see Jesus. We see him as a little boy. As a tender plant. Chapter 2 and verse 40. And it says this. Verse 40. Oh, where am I? Chapter 3. 
chapter 40. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. His parents went up to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years of age, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, that they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem and asking him, or seeking him. Now so it was, that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. How incredible. This is the boy Jesus, the tender boy. Can you imagine? You've got a little boy, you've got a little son, you've got a little daughter, a granddaughter, and, and they go um, wandering off down to the temple, the scholars, the theologians, the doctors of the law, all those men of understanding with the, the Torah, hey Dominic, sitting there and discussing about the issues of the kingdom of God and the coming of the Messiah, yes? And there he turns up, a little boy, sitting down and listening to them and, and, and telling them and explaining to them about the coming Christ and the Messiah and the things that he would do. If you was a dad, if you was a mum, wouldn't you be proud? You'd be filled with joy. You'd be filled with happiness that... This is your little boy, your little darling girl, your tender little plant. And those that are listening to him are astonished at his or her's understanding. How lovely. This is Jesus. This is the Lord. This is our Messiah. He grew up before him as a tender plant. You want your children to be tender, don't you? You don't want them all aggressive. You don't want them getting expelled from school, do you? Can you all imagine that? Jeffro coming home to see you, Joey, and saying, Dad, we all got expelled today. You don't want to hear that, do you? No, we're not going to hear it from Jeffro, that's for sure. We want a nice tender plant, don't we? That's the Lord Jesus. Tenderness. I love it. We want a bit of tenderness in our life, in our home. It's part of Jesus' life and his upbringing. He had time for little children. It's so sweet. The scriptures tell us what he was like. He wanted to lay his hands on their head and bless them. It's a lovely picture. Even the lepers, even the outcasts, even those that were those that were downtrodden, those that no one wanted to know, those that were smelly, those that were spotty, those that were a problem to society. They came to Jesus. 
They wanted to be with him because they knew he was kind. They knew he was merciful. They knew that that tenderness touched their hearts. People that were broken. People that were sinful. People that were sad. They came to him because they found acceptance. They found a sense of belonging. That's what he's like. He's lovely. And we see him going to Jerusalem. The Messiah. On a, on a baby donkey into the town, into the city. And they were singing, Hosanna to the son of David. Yes, Hosanna to the son of glory. And the religious authority didn't like it. Well, excuse me, Jesus. You tell these disciples to stop saying Hosanna to the Son. We're not having it. Listen, he said. If they didn't do it, the very stones themselves would cry out. Amazing. The wonder and the tenderness of the Lord. What did he do? When he saw their rejection and their hard hearts, he cried. He cried. Tears went down his face because they were rejecting him. And Jerusalem itself did not know the day of their visitation. Would that make you cry? It's very sad. We move on to the second point I'm going to make and it says here, like a root out of dry ground. That's what it says. The prophet says that. Isaiah 53. Let's have a look. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. Well, may I ask you, do you like to go for a walk? Yes? You like to put on your walking boots? Yeah? And go for a walk in the woods? Or down the south downs? Or up Ivanhoe Beacon? And down the Dunstable Downs? You like to have a walk? And you walk through the woods and you see these beautiful trees, big trees with leaves and oak trees and horse chestnut trees. And you, you see these trees and you see a root kind of sticking out the ground. What does it remind you of? Well, I tell you, the scripture says, like a root out of dry ground. He got no form, no comeliness. You know, you probably stepped on those roots, kicked them. You know, they don't look desirable, do they? They're all squiggly and scraggly and scrawny. Yeah, and you might stand on it and, and jump on one and jump to another. But they're in the dirt. They're in the ground and they're kind of like, there's no value to them. Nobody ever says, oh yeah, I got some lovely roots the other day and I put them in a vase so that my friends and relatives could have a look at them. You don't do that, do you? Can you can you imagine going to someone's home for tea and say, well, I like your roots in the vase on the mantelpiece. It doesn't happen, does it? You say of some people, she's a nice flower, eh? We go to Sainsbury's in Woodall Farm to do shopping 
There's a lovely lady called Cara. Very loud. She'll, you hear her laughing half a mile away. <laughs> She's always making a noise. You may have seen her. She's a lovely lady. She don't remember everybody's name. So she calls you Flower. Hello, Flower. Doing but she's a very joyful lady. I like her very much, but I can't ever think that she'll call you a root. Hello, rooty. Oh, like a root out of dry ground. That's Jesus. That's a description of what he was like. There is no beauty about him. He just a some people that saw him might have said he's a bit rough. Yeah, a bit, bit, I'm not going to say he's dirty, but he's a bit rough around the edges. He's tender as well. He was born in Israel. He was born in, in that nation where there's all trouble, always been trouble. It doesn't seem right that this wonderful man, this beautiful man, this... I say beautiful, the Bible doesn't say he's beautiful. But people, they sing songs as if he's their boyfriend. I don't know if you noticed it. You know, I, I don't know any off the top of my head, but, you know, it seems unusual that he was produced in Israel because these people in Israel, it says it in the scriptures, they stoned the prophets. Aggressive they were religious people, but very aggressive. If they didn't like what you said, they'd pick up stones to stone you. We read of Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah, and Jeremiah was very abused by the people. They didn't like the message that he brought. They threw him down in a well. They, they lowered him down into a well. They left him there. You stay down there, Jeremiah. We don't want you and all those dodgy, funny words you keep telling us about disaster from Babylon. They put him in the well because they didn't want to hear what he said. And it's the same, even with Jesus. When he would declare who he was, they took up stones to stone him. Oh, what? This was the religious nation of the whole world. I don't understand it, but it's true. They refuse to listen to Jesus' message. They didn't want to know. Very few. We're talking of the Lord of glory. We're talking of the one that gives sight to the blind, heal the sick, raise the dead. And yet at his death, how many people were there? Very few. And this is Jesus Christ. Very few people followed him. Remarkable, eh? The one who turned water into wine. The one who fed 5,000. The one who cared for the needy. The one who did the leper um, healing. New skin like a baby. Only one of the, There were ten of them in Luke's Gospel, weren't there, Dom? And only one came to thank him and bow down and worship him. He said... Only one? Where's the other nine? People didn't acknowledge him in a, the way that he should have been acknowledged. Don't understand, but it happened. He was rejected by men. 
your Jewish people, you know, they were under control. They were looking forward to Messiah coming. The Romans ruled them. As a nation, they were cast out from the, the other nations didn't, didn't respect them. Anyway, one thing they got, the word of the Lord, the Hebrew scriptures, the writings of Isaiah, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, they pointed to Jesus coming. The Messiah would come. The Saviour would come from this nation. Jesus came. Hallelujah. He came when we didn't expect it. But the Bible does say, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son in the form of this Jesus. And, and his parents, poor people, so poor that when he was born, all they could bring to the temple was two little doves. Jesus came into this world like a root out of dry ground. Not worth, not, not, nothing to be esteemed about, you know, just a rough man from a rough place out of Nazareth. What do we know about Nazareth? It was up north in Israel. He was brought up in Nazareth, wasn't he? He was a carpenter, wasn't he? He might have made little things like this. He might have made wooden chairs that you're sitting on. He, he may have worked on boats. That might be how he knew Peter, James and John. His boats were made of wood. They weren't made of steel like they are nowadays. He might have fabricated a mask and put them in the boat or the oars. He might have done things like that. But he was from up north and he was from up from Nazareth. And it says in John's Gospel when when Philip, I think, went to Nathaniel and he said, we found the Messiah. He said, well, where's he from? I'm paraphrasing. Where he from? Nazareth. Nazareth? Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It wasn't known. The place was... It's, it's not quoted in the scriptures, in the Old Testament. There were other places quoted, but not Nazareth. They didn't acknowledge him. They, they were offended by him. The Jewish people were offended by Jesus Christ, the Messiah to come, from Nazareth. It doesn't add up, they said. No prophet comes from Nazareth. It's like me saying, oh, I go to Cambridge or Oxford and I say, well, I've studied at Hemel Hempstead. And they say, Hemel Hempstead? You're having a laugh, mate. Not that dodgy old college in decorum. Yes, that's where I graduated from. They don't look at you with any respect coming from Hemel Hempstead. <laughs> but if I say, oh, yes, yes, my ex has been telling me, oh, do you know so-and-so's been educated at Cambridge? I said, have they? Oh, yes. High and mighty, very noble. Oh, I'm from Hemel Hempstead. <laughs> Still, Nazareth was the place where the Saviour would come from. It was the Father's will. It was God's will. And if God wants me to come from a place like Hemel Hempstead, 
rather than London or, or, or Cambridge or Oxford. I don't mind whatever God wills for my life. If he wants you to be like a root out of dry ground, so be it. Yes? So be it, I say. Whatever God's will. Let me move on to my last point, and it's this. This prophet, he is telling us that Jesus is, I'm going to say this to you, you might be upset. He's unlovely in appearance. The prophet says it. He says it in this verse. Let's go back to the scripture. Verse 2, look, look. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. We read that. As a root out of dry ground. We read that. And then look at this. He has no form or comeliness. When we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Oh! Well, that's, that doesn't add up to some of the pictures I've seen of Jesus Christ. Some of the paintings I've seen. They look so lovely. He looks so attractive. He looks so beautiful. But they're not real. They're not real. They can't be. The prophet is telling us the truth. He's telling us the word of God. Is he telling us lies? I don't think so. But who came up with all this fancy artwork about how Jesus looked? We don't know, do we? I'm telling you the truth. Dominic's going to do a go-go, look! No, just, I think that's different, that one. Yeah. But he has no fault. No comeliness that we should desire him. He didn't come looking like John Travolta. You know, night fever, night fever, good looking man from New York City. He didn't come like that. He looked a bit rough. No form, no comeliness. He did not grow up in a splendid surroundings like Buckingham Palace because he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. No, he didn't go to Eton Grammar School on the hill. Or, no, not Eton, that's Harrow on the hill. Eton at Windsor. He had no regal pomp. He had no splendor. The Jews expected a king. They wanted someone like Harry or William. They didn't want Jesus Christ. A root out of dry ground. Someone who had no form or, or beauty. No. He was talking to the Jews in John's Gospel. He said, before Abraham was, I am. They didn't like it. They took up stones. They said, you're not yet 50 years old. Well, he was only 33 at the time, but they were saying he looked 50. There is no beauty. This is Jesus, the prophet, telling us. There is no beauty that we should desire him. If he came in here, we would recognize him. When Mary was at the garden, when Mary was at the garden after the resurrection, who did she think he was? The gardener. She didn't think, oh look, Messiah. She didn't, no one, it, 
Is there any gardeners that you can remember that look lovely and attractive? Oh, sorry, Bob. <laughs> You're a gardener, aren't you? <laughs> there was no beauty about Jesus that you should desire him. He was not a show-off. He was not some sort of charismatic that attracted the people because of the way that he was. He was not like that. We really, no one knows what he looked like. And, and I now I have to wrestle with, with, with the things I've looked at of Jesus and I say, you know, are they correct? No, they're not. They're not. They don't know what he looks No one knows what he looks like. Dominic says that there's a thing called the Turin Shroud. It's a cloth, isn't it? Yeah. And someone says, I mean... We have to be careful because in the scripture it don't say nothing about the true shroud. But the someone said a, a woman put this cloth on his head. Is that correct? Well, it was there was a the Bible says it. There was a cloth that was so when in the tomb in the tomb in the Gospel of John, so they can wrap him in the. We don't know. We do not know. And, and I kid myself. I tell you the truth. I kid myself. And I said, well, someone must have known what he looked like. And if we took all the pictures we've ever seen of Jesus Christ, yeah, and made a photograph album, we could say, well, that's Jesus through the ages. Yeah? You've got a, you got a phone with the, your gallery on your phone with all these pictures of you doing selfies. Yeah? Yeah? South End on Sea, London, Buckingham Palace. Mayette likes it. I'll take a picture of her and she's all like that. Right? But I know Mayette. I know what she looks like. I've never seen anyone see Jesus. Anyway, how it, look, look, look at this. We're looking at two verses here. They're here. Look, look at this. Verse 52. Chapter 52. Verse 14. It says here. Just as many were astonished at you. Listen. So his visage. What does that mean? His image. It says was marred more than any man. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever read it before? Look. 52 verse 14 as many were astonished at you so his visage was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men what's this prophet trying to say shall I tell you you couldn't recognize him they beat him up so badly the Romans beat him. They flogged him. They, they destroyed him physically to the point that you couldn't recognize him. Well, that's not what I've seen. I've seen a lot of crucifix and pictures. But I've not seen a man that you could not recognize him. It's astonishing people. But that's what the prophet said. And he, he says this, look, look, I'll read verse 3, verse 4, verse 5. Listen. He is despised and rejected by men. 
the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He is despised, and we esteemed him nothing. Um, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He is bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace is upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Wow! God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What am I saying? What is God's word saying? Jesus has suffered. Jesus has, has had a crown of thorns put on his head. He, they, they said he's the king of the Jews. Well, the Romans hated the Jews. Oh, we we are scumbags. So they made a crown of thorns. Yeah. And he said, you're the king? Well, have a crown. Yes. Put it on his head and let them thorns pierce his brow and blood just roll down. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. The blood running down and the suffering, the thorns. And then, well, what about the nails? What size nails do you need to hang a man on a cross? You can't get them at P&Q or Wits. You need long nails. And you need a big hammer. He took them. He took the nails in the hands and the feet. And the other day, I was worth looking in my toolbox or in my dad's tools in the garage and I found a nail that long. Oh, wow. I, I was impressed with the nail. Do you know what? I, I took it. I put it in my pocket. I've been carrying it around with me all week. I've been thinking about this nail. You know, you've got some jewellery on. We know Margie loves her jewellery. But would any one of you carry a nail around with you for the week? Oh, would you show it to your friends? Oh, look, I bought a nice nail down at Samuel Jewellers the other day. Well, people buy crosses. They hang them from their ears. They put them around their necks. Why not put some nails around your neck? Hey? People will think you're a weirdo. Well, people wear crosses. Eh? The sign of execution. Oh, thank you, Dominic. That's a rusty old nail. I don't know. This is a crucifixion nail. Is it? Jesus took the nails. He took the punishment for our forgiveness so we could be forgiven for our sins. He paid the price. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. God gave his son. Could Johnny give us Jethro? It would be a hard thing to do. Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac because God said, give me your son. 
It's amazing. God gave us his son. He paid for our sins. That's why we're Christians, isn't it? That's because God so loved us. Oh, the time is running out, people. And I'll just ask you a couple of questions before we close. Thank you, Dominic. Can you look to the crucified Christ? Yes. Do we not? Do we believe it's true? Do we believe it happened? The prophet said it would happen. Can you look to the Christ on the cross and believe? That's it. I can. Can you? Can you look to the cross and see a king with his crown? We can, can't we? We know he had a crown of thorns on his head. Yes? Can you look at the suffering that he went through according to the prophet and can you see the saviour? He poured out his blood for the redemption of our sins. He did it for us. And that's why I believe. That's why I'm a Christian. And my last question. If you've never accepted him as your saviour, would you accept him today? Or would you, like the people on the street, turn your nose up and say, oh, I don't believe it. I'm an atheist. How sad. How shallow. We've got the truth. The prophet said, who has believed our report? Has God revealed to you today that these things are true and that you can put your faith in them? Can you believe? Will you believe? And know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, Father in heaven, thank you so much. Thank you for sending Jesus into this world. And thank you Lord that, you know, all these things we discover and hear about today that he is rejected of men, he is despised, he is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And he took our sins upon him, our very own sins, everything I ever did wrong. The, the, it was put on Jesus Christ as if he was cursed for me, cursed for my brothers and sisters, that we can be free from any condemnation. As the song we sang earlier on, no condemnation now I fear, because Jesus has done it all. And Lord, we come before you humbly today and say, Lord, praise your holy name. Glory to you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah for everything you've done for us. We love you. We want you. And we will not reject you, Lord Jesus. Take our lives and let them be consecrated, Lord, to thee. And that's what we ask in your holy name today. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We meet at Grove Hill Community Center at 11.30 p.m. in Hemel Hempstead. God bless you.